from Fresh. I'm your host Keith Sia, and this is the show where I talk to my favorite people about movies, TV shows, and everything else in between. Ten years ago, Christopher Nolan released one of the most impactful blockbusters in recent memory, Inception. I invite Nicholas Un to talk about what makes Inception so memorable, some of his most notable flaws, and why it is worth a rewatch. So without further ado, on to the show. Inception. Now, before you bother telling me it's impossible. It's no, it's perfectly possible. It's just bloody difficult. Hey Nick, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me on once again, man. It's been a while. Yes, it's been a really long time. I think the last time we spoke, it was pretty much day two of MCO, I believe. What a, what a three months we've had, man. It was the day, yeah, it was the day we recorded the last podcast together, if you remember, when you came over. Yeah, so we, we were talking about suggestions to go through, uh, suggestions on what people can watch during the MCO, at that time thinking it's going to be a two-week MCO. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought like, watch, watch one or two series, catch up on one or two movies, and then it turned into wow. three months. A couple of months later, looking back, yeah, you know, we might have benefited from more suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, what what you've been up to, man? So, so I know we did that whole uh, podcast on what to watch, but what really did you end up watching during this MCO? What did I end up watching? I, I ended up watching a lot of older movies, movies ah, nice. that I should have watched in my youth Um but I didn't, you know, you, you'd be surprised what movies I haven't watched. So I watched movies like Jaws, like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Vertigo, you know, these really classic movies. So not classic, classic, but maybe modern classics. And, you know, it was the first time that I watched them. So I had a really, really good time. You watched Jaws for probably the first time? About. Yes, yes, okay. I watched Jaws for the very first time. <laughs> oh, Amazing that, movie, I cool. gotta okay. say. It it holds up so well even today. <laughs> okay, that 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 would be a topic for another podcast. <laughs> for sure. I can't. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Um, I invited you on because I want to talk about Inception, right? I think it would be a pretty good time to talk about Inception. One because, uh, just a few weeks ago was the ten year anniversary of when Inception was released. So Inception was released mid July twenty ten, and also because a lot of talk about, um, the return to cinema after all this pandemic kind of peters out is uh, when do we get to see Tenet which is Christopher yeah. Nolan's movie slated to come out this year uh, there are a lot of people are expecting to be the big movie that invites everyone back in case people hasn't noticed every time Tenet announces a delay a few days later Disney will announce that Mulan is also delayed because I'm, I think Disney has made it quite clear that they do not want to be the first movie back I see yeah I'm- yeah they just don't want to be the the one that people are like iffy about whether they should be going to the cinemas or not. So Mulan has made like Disney has made it very clear that they don't want Mulan to be the first major movie back. So right. very much people were looking forward to Tenet being the one. Uh, but recently, I think a few weeks ago, it was announced that Tenet has been delayed indefinitely. Yeah, I thought that was last week actually. Yeah, so we actually don't know when we'll when we'll actually get to watch Tenet. Um, no idea. I'm pretty disappointed. And and inevitably, a few days later, Disney also announced Mulan will be delayed indefinitely. Yeah, man. I mean, the coronavirus is just taking such a huge toll on, you know, the cinema industry as well as the world at large, right? So I don't think it's surprising that all these movies are getting delayed. Um, I don't know. Have Have you ever been near a theater in the past couple of months or weeks when, you know, they actually started opening again? Uh, I walked past GSE when I went to Wanutama yesterday. <laughs> right. Was it empty? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much empty. Yeah, I, I would have thought so. I mean... No new releases, 
uh, Train to Busan 2, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that, that, I did hear about that. And I, I, I did have a friend who went to see it, although I'm not sure how it was in the end. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Inception. So 10 years ago, this movie by Christopher Nolan was released. And I think... So Nolan had a few kind of mid to big hits before he made Inception, right? Right. Um, me personally being... Uh, for the longest time, I kept saying that Nolan is my favorite director. Uh, I think yep. recently, my view on that has kind of changed. I, I think Nolan might not be my favorite director, but Nolan movies are my favorite movies, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I gotta ask, man, like who, who has taken Nolan's place in I I, I don't your... know. So um, recently, in the past year or so, I've become very, very fascinated by the way Noah Baumbach does movies. Completely different, <laughs> completely different right. kind of movies. But right. um, when I watch Baumbach movies, I feel that he has a lot more pronounced influence on his movies. So the reason why yep. I say my favorite movies might be Nolan movies, but he might not be my favorite director is mainly because... I think what I liked about Nolan movies uh, might not really be what uh, Nolan's imprint is, or not, not completely what Nolan's imprinting on them. So, yeah, so, so he, he, he's good at picking the type of stories you want to tell and the scripts you want to tell, but there are a lot more that goes into his movies that I like that might not be directly influenced by him. No, fair enough, man. I, I think that's a, that's a really, really good choice and not a conventional choice as well, which I find very, very unique. But we're talking about Nolan today, right? So, yeah, I think you, you're right about Inception coming out after, you know, Nolan had already done a few good movies. Right, so just, just listing them out. Memento, uh, which to this day, I, I would think is my favourite movie. Uh, I mean, it's very wow. hard to rank movies from different yep. genres, but it's the one I always go to uh, when I say what my favourite movie is. Uh, I could rewatch it over and over again, and it still has that level of impact, despite knowing yeah. how it ends and then the twists and turns of it. And I think a few... Years after I watched Memento, I also watched The Prestige, which was also another amazing movie. That is a mind-blowing movie. And Memento as well. Memento and Prestige are absolutely amazing movies. And <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it it really put Nolan... It's hard to pick which movie put Nolan on the map, you know? Because even as even as far back as his old... Like, his first movie following, following? Right, people already yeah. said... Yeah, every, people already said that he was... He had a lot of potential to be a good director in the papers. And when he came out with Memento, you know, Oscar-nominated movie, if I'm not mistaken, everyone was really, really excited. And then he even he got even more and more famous as, as the years went by, right? And, you know, what I, what I, what I found uh, really interesting was that Nolan is probably best known for the Batman trilogy, right? The Dark Knight trilogy. Okay, so, so here's, here's where I, I find it really interesting. His best-known movies might be the Batman trilogy, to single out The Dark Knight, especially. I think that might be his most well-known movie, but that might not be the most well-known as a Nolan movie. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. I can see where you're coming from for, from that. Um, the point I was trying to make was that, you know, the Batman movie, because, because Batman himself is already one of the right. world's most famous characters, right? So automatically, those movies would be Nolan's best-known movies. But what I found really interesting was that as he made the Batman movies, he actually spaced them out in between his other, you know, uh, his other, his other movies as well, right? So Batman Begins 2005, Following that was the Prestige in two thousand and six, right? A more period period piece sci-fi historical sci-fi uh, thriller, and then you had the Dark Knight, which was his 
you know, he's probably one of his best movies uh, of his entire filmography, 2008. And then came Inception, 2010. And then Dark Knight Rises, 2012. So it's like he makes one and then he makes like he makes one Batman movie, another bat- non-Batman movie, and then a Batman movie again. So uh, that's, that's an interesting pattern that I thought. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I agree. So, I mean, that's that's how um, a lot of these directors get their... Um, they call it FU money, right? So they they do a big project, they get uh, like a shit ton of money and then they go to produce and say like, <laughs> this is the idea I want to do. <laughs> and then people just give them money to do it. Yeah, but 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 in Nolan's case, you know, he, he made all those movies his own, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't just like a cash grab or anything. He made those Batman movies, you know, he, Nolan movies, but also genre-defining movies, right? You know, after The Dark Knight, everybody wanted everything to be dark and gritty, and you have, you know, Arrow and all all those kind of shows. So, you know, I think Nolan has had such a great impact on the industry with his films, and Inception is probably one of the best, if not his best movie, in my opinion, at, at least, Right. Um, I know Memento is yours, right? But uh, Inception is probably probably my one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. Nice. So I'm really happy to be discussing it today. Right. So here's where I think um you were saying earlier about uh, which movie put Nolan on the map. For me, it's clearly Inception. So like like I said, um he might have previous um successes with The Prestige or Memento or even The Dark Knight, which was I mean blockbuster immediately right but when people today think about oh i like christopher nolan movies you think about inception because it's to me inception is everything nolan is it's the overcomplicated timing structure it's the um, the classic favorites i mean he works with michael kane he works with tom hardy yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's everything that it if, if nolan was distilled into a like if nolan himself was distilled into a movie i believe inception is as close as it gets well, I find it hard to argue with you on that one, man. I mean, Inception is just such a well-made movie on so many fronts, you know. Um, won four Oscars in 2011. So it, it's definitely not, you know, a, a cult classic by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, you know, I guess we'll get more, we'll get into more detail as we, as we talk more. But, it, it, yeah, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't argue against that, man. I, I think... Inception is one of Nolan's best movies, for sure. Right. So, why don't we start going to the movie right now? So, uh, I think here's just a obligatory um, spoiler warning in case you've not watched Inception. There's time to stop and maybe go and watch Inception. It's on Netflix, anyway. How have you not seen it? <laughs> yeah, how have you not seen it? But anyway, yeah, if you've not watched Inception, we're going to go into a bit more spoilery territory. Uh, like I said, it's on Netflix. You can go watch it and come back. So, what is Inception? Let me ask you a question. You... You never really remember the beginning of a dream, do you? You always wind up right in the middle of what's going on. I guess, yeah. So how did we end up here? Inception, if you read off the IMDb, the IMDb summary, right, it just says... Right, let's do it. A thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream-sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. Sounds simple enough, right? <laughs> Anything but mate. Yeah. Oh man. So obviously directed Christopher Nolan, um, written by Nolan himself. Uh stars Leo DiCaprio, who incidentally also made Shutter Island in twenty ten. I thought that's quite right. interesting. Um Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, also I mean, like I said, uh, Tom Hardy, Michael Caine, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Alan Page. 
Uh, yeah, Cotillard. Joseph Gordon-Levitt again, a repeat uh, actor along with Ken Watanabe in uh, yeah, uh, in in his Batman movies, right? Killian Murphy, Tom Hardy. Oh man, so many repeat actors. Yeah, yeah. Nolan definitely. <laughs> Nolan is definitely one of those um, directors that likes to keep his uh, likes to keep a close knit on the actors that he chooses. Yeah, yeah. I think he might have uh, you know tried to branch out more in recent years, right? With with Dunkirk and I think yeah. Tenet has a lot of new actors as well that he's worked with. So I'm excited for those um, to talk about them. But yeah, dear, at this time, it was definitely like his gang, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I know you wanted to go through um, a few things that you felt stood out to you uh, with regards to Inception. So m- maybe talk to me a little bit about what, what, sure, what sure. stood out about... I, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that happened in Inception, man. The first thing I want to bring up is just the look of the film, right? So uh, one of the... In fact, two. I think two of the Oscars that Inception won were for the aesthetic-related uh, elements, right? You've got your cinematography and best visual effects. And I think Inception is, is, is one of those movies that really, really shows the full potential of practical effects over as well as visual effects, right? And it, it's, it just goes to show how well you can utilize something. And I think in today's age, people talk about, you know, CGI and how sometimes it can ruin a movie and some some purists love practical effects. But practical effects, if not done right, can look pretty bad as well. But Nolan was always one of those directors that could do both, right? They could do, you know, CGI, computer graphics, but they can also do stuff, you know, in, in stunts, in, um, you know, setups, and Inception is a perfect example, right? So uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this video before, but I always remember, it's stuck in my head, that the vid- the clip, the behind-the-scenes clip of how they shot the hotel scenes, yep. especially when the gravity was, like, you know, man- being manipulated. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's fight uh, scene, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's always that very famous clip. It's not just the scene, it's the famous clip of Joseph Gordon-Levitt coming into the frame, but he's, like, already sliding on the floor, like sideways, right? And then he starts like rotating. And the way they did that scene was just so incredible. They actually built that hallway, right? And they rotated it on an axis while a camera was, you know, was fixed in place. So the people inside that that room is sort of like a, like a, what's a square? It's like a cylinder of some kind. It, it's just, it was just such a marvel of engineering and such, such a genius way of shooting something. Um, it really, really grounded the actors. You know, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt did his own stunts in that scene as well, which I found incredible. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, there were some incredibly mind-bending you know, CGI effects as well, right? The, the scene um, when Ariadne, played by Ellen Page, is walking through the city that she created on, you know, her first, you know, not, not the first time she created a city, but more like the first dream she entered when Leo DiCaprio's character introduces her to the dream world, right? right? And like they're in a cafe and all the things around them start bursting into these like little pieces um, as the dream collapses around them. I thought that was an incredibly striking scene. And then the next scene after that, when um, Ariane... She falls the city in half. <laughs> yeah, they fall the city. That, you know, that, 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 that scene that, you know, Doctor Strange did something similar, but Inception was always the the inspiration for that. Right. Not just the folding of the city, but also the way they walked up up the street uh, vertically. The way Ariane um, 
she folded the mirrors, if I'm not mistaken, the mirrors to create that entire bridge. You remember that scene? Yeah. yeah that was an incredible scene as well. And you know, again, beautiful use of CGI. Inception gets a lot of credit for its, you know, its, its plot, its concept. But ultimately, I, I think that the look of it really, really shaped uh, the experience. Right. So that's one of the, one of my favorite a- favorite aspects of Inception. Yeah, I mean you 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 hit a nail on his head. So one of the things that Inception will always be remembered by is the like the scenes you mentioned. So Ariadne folding the city in half, um, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt hotel fight scene. These are scenes that will live like for years to come. When when people, I think when we were watching it in the cinemas that first time, there was a collective. Ag- like a collective understanding that this we were watching something amazing and this is going to be something that sticks with us. So when yeah, when, for when sure. like you said when when Doctor Strange came out right and he started you know moving the cities and everything, people's reaction are oh wow they're doing an Inception. Yeah, that's, that's the legacy <laughs> that the movie built. Absolutely, and you know I, I, again you've you've also hit the nail on the head. Like even people today when they want to. Um, come up with some sort of phrase to describe putting an idea in somebody's head and they use right. oh you've been inceptioned <laughs> yeah and that's and that's and that's one of the most amazing things about this film is the lasting legacy of it all uh yeah, like, like sure. you said so every time someone someone gets a bit confused or like something's a bit overly complicated people will be like oh there's some inception shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's really amazing how no. like the lexicon of of this movie stayed on even a decade from the from when it was released totally totally i mean it all stemmed from the entire concept of inception right you know the idea of putting an idea in somebody's head entering somebody's dreams and you know i think one thing that is important to mention is that is that inception is as much a genre film as it is a film that's very philosophical yeah. Right. So I think we'll we'll get into that maybe a bit later. Uh, speaking about Inception's um l- uh, long and lasting impact on the film industry, we could talk about the next thing, which is the sound. And I'm talking about right. the ground note. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> when when Inception introduced the brown note to general audience in 2010, for some reason, so that's not one of the things that maybe hit people the most when they watched it for the first time. But for some reason, Hollywood took it as this is what action movies are going to be for the next five, six years. Yeah, totally. Maybe for people who, who aren't too familiar with the jargon, maybe you can explain what a brown note is. <laughs> I, do, I, I don't know how to technically describe it. It's basically that boom thing in every scene in Inception. I, I, no, I dude, you know you know what? I, I think there's a much better definition of brown <laughs> note than, than any definition that would ever exist in the world, right? Yeah. So so after Inception release, I think um look up any like I don't know, Transformers trailer from like twenty eleven. Yeah. Or like any other big summer blockbusters from the years twenty eleven and twenty thirteen. I guarantee you eight out of ten of them will have the big boom Right before yeah, yeah, the, the f- right before like the the, the 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 first the first like main actor comes up. Yeah, the first film that comes to mind is actually Arrival for for that sound. Right, it's yes. Another sci-fi movie, and you know that was very famous for its trailer, which had that that yeah. kind of note, which uh, you know is very sci-fi, very mysterious, but at the same time very, um, you know, somewhat modern. Just yeah. like sci-fi. So right. the br- the brown note has been like it's it's reached a point of parody, um, maybe in recent years. But there there are a lot of other things about the sound of the movie that were really interesting. So, 
um, maybe you can talk a bit about the musical score, like the like the, the score that's not the brown note. Yeah, no, totally. But I, I think one thing to mention is that we, we do make fun of you know the brown note and you know how it's become parod uh, to the point of parody. But Inception did win two Oscars for sound, right? right. <laughs> sound design and sound mixing, which is you know crazy. So it's not nothing to sneeze at, right? And they've got an incredible team behind there. Uh, coming up with a lot of different, you know, emotion-inducing noises, I guess is one way to describe it. But yeah, man, the, the score is probably what is most famous um, about Inception. I mean, of course, there's so many things about Inception that is famous, but uh, I don't know, Hans Zimmer's time score is still probably one of the most iconic movie scores of, you know, the 21st yes. century. It's so simple, but so profound, right? And the way it's used in the film is quite subtle at first, to be fair. I mean, I watched it recently. I, I, I can't recall it being so in your face because it is, it, it is rather subtle to me. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's iconic in its own way. It's almost to the point, it's almost simplistic to the point that you're surprised someone hasn't come up with it already, especially the way it's used in the film. Uh, so very surprising that Hans Zimmer didn't get a best uh, original score award for this. Not sure who he lost out to, but it must have been someone incredible in 2011. Yeah, yeah one of the things that has stuck with me long after the credits roll is the music from Inception. Yeah, especially the way he uses music to build tension um, in Inception. Because oh yeah, th for There sure. are scenes in Inception where tension builds and builds and there's never a point where... He Nolan loses the audience. Basically, the entire final half hour of the movie is building tension. And, and, no, absolutely. and at no point does the audience kind of tip over and, and fall into boredom or, or, or taps out or, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Or, or it takes them out of the movie. It gets you invested. And that last half an hour both, both flies through um, as well as make, make it feel like an eternity. Yeah, for sure. Super, super engaging score all around. I mean, uh, I suppose I did Hans Zimmer a great injustice by just talking about time, right? I mean, you mentioned the score for the rest of the movie. I, I, I remember the score for Mombasa when, when Leonardo DiCaprio was being chased through the streets. That was quite an iconic score as well. And uh, I did see a video once upon a time which, which uh, said that that score, that new piece of music that was used for the Mombasa chase was used as temp music for so many other movies right, in the yes. future. You know, they they it was modeled off of that that track, which I find really really interesting as well. Yeah, I heard about that too. So um, just to bring it back, uh, 2011 Academy Awards, best original score went to Trent Reznor for Social Network. Trent Reznor. Okay, okay. No, I think a worthy competitor. Um, I would argue that it hasn't stood the test of time as as steadily as. Um, you know Hans Zimmer's score for Inception justice right. for Hans Zimmer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright so, so moving on into the, the crux of the movie right um, the overall plot and, and how it's structured um, yeah, okay, right yeah. off the back I, I need to ask you this so, so we both watched it over this weekend so this was my second time watching it how about you this was my third time watching it I did watch it a couple of years back um, and then I watched it when it first came out but not in the cinemas probably I think it was it was either on, on demand or on an airplane. Can't quite remember right. which. Do you feel like um, the second time you watch it, or maybe now the third time watching it, do you yeah. feel like it was easier to understand the first time you watched it? Okay, look. Um, 
I might be lying to myself here, but I was pretty sure that Inception for for all the 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 feedback <laughs> or the yeah. criticism it has gotten for being overcomplicated. I, I did actually understand exactly what was happening the first time round. Right. Uh, uh, when when I watched it, and this was like you know ten years ago. What surprised me was the second and third time I watched it, I had to rewind. Uh, for one particular scene, there was only one scene in the movie that okay. that I always had to rewind in order to understand what was happening. Um, tell, tell us, tell us which scene it was, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was the scene when um. Gosh, what was what was the villain's son's name? Like that, the guy they were trying to incept, Fisher. Fisher, that's yeah. that was his name. I mean, okay, yeah, so it so was the. That's just a point that a lot of the characters' names are not that memorable. I can barely remember any of the characters' names, and I watched it yesterday. <laughs> so that's that's one one of the ma- maybe minor flaws in the movie. But yeah, go ahead. To totally understand, uh, but the scene when Fisher gets shot, right, and he dies. Uh, and they realized that they need to go one more level, one more level to, save to save him. Yeah, I did not understand yeah, that yeah. at all. I, I always, I always, not always, well, the past two times I watched it out of three, right? I had to rewind to completely understand what the, uh, where they were getting at. But I totally understand like well, why they had to do it now, right? I mean, there was, it was foreshadowed earlier when it said that you had, when if you die, your body is in limbo. Right. Right, exactly. and you have to, and you have to, um, you know, because they're them. so heavily sedated, they don't wake up. Yeah, so I think knowing that it 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 jogged my memory quite a bit, and uh, and then I understood what needed to happen after that. Uh, it also ties in pretty well right. with um, uh, Saito, uh, where he also died, right? And Leonardo DiCaprio's Cobb had to find him in the dream world and bring him back, back to reality. Yeah. So very cool. Uh, worked out pretty nicely. He also used the opportunity to overcome his greatest weakness, right, which was his attachment to his late wife, and the guilt that he felt yeah. by you know all the all the stuff that he had done, right. To, to, he had the idea that he caused his wife's death, right, indirectly by performing Inception. <laughs> yeah, we've come we've come quite far into the podcast, man, and. I don't know. Do you think we've done justice to the overarching concept of the movie? I mean, we've we've kind of come this far without saying a dream within a dream, <laughs> which is kind of everything Inception right, is. Right. Right? I, I think we'll, we'll get dreams. to that bit. So, yeah. So, um, I'm just gonna say that this is my second time watching it, and for some reason, I felt like I understood it better the first time. And this yeah. is not this is not a um, uncommon opinion as I found out recently because I was listening to a few podcasts in, uh, in preparation for recording this one and a few people actually felt the same way that watching it a second and third time maybe knowing, um, knowing where the movie heads towards your your mind immediately goes to okay so it's gonna hit here so this is gonna make sense and then, it kind of subverts and takes you somewhere else, and that is when you yeah, go like wait, wait what. <laughs> That's amazing because, you know, I, I, I kind of said the exact same thing earlier where I, I got it the first time and then the second and third time I had to rewind it. So, you know, I'm surprised and, and, and but also kind of interested <laughs> that other people have had similar experiences. Right. So basically, the basic mis- main mission of the movie is that they want to, so, so they want to plant an idea into Cillian Murphy's character's head that after his father dies and he inherits the company, he should... Yeah. Uh, break up the company, the company yeah and go yeah, be his yeah. own man and that that sounds like the simplest like <laughs> the simplest plot ever <laughs> but right but then um in order to do that so i mean it goes without saying this movie is very very exposition heavy 
a lot of it, a lot of the dialogue is basically explaining to the audience how stuff work and, yep. and and what they are doing. Uh, in long story short, in order to make this guy believe that this is an idea he conceived himself, they felt the need to go through, uh, to go into a dream, in a dream, in a dream, to kind of make it so that he planted idea himself and it would grow yep. and fester into something that he would actually believe he wants to do um, when he wakes up in real life. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. You've, you've described it very well there. And I guess Inception is such a unique movie because it's a sci-fi movie. You know, you're, you're entering people's dreams and performing espionage, right? It's, it's right. a sci-fi movie. It's a thriller, but it's also a heist movie, you know, with the team. A heist movie where they don't steal of, anything. <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, you know, they're, they're planting something rather than stealing it, which is so, you know, it's so awesome. It, it turns that concept on its head, right? Yeah, uh, but that 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 whole concept of assembling a team to enter something, but not a building, but in fact a person's mind, that's you know that that's the crux, and that's that's why Inception is such a uh, appealing concept. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I agree completely with the concept of the movie and how interesting it is, and I think that is one of the reasons why a lot of people um, gravitated towards it when it first came out. Oh, one of the best things about Inception is that. Nolan made the movie feel smart, but not beyond the reaches of um your like general human public. Yeah. Yep. So so it, it's not gonna be super nerdy sci-fi where yeah. half the audience checks out because they have no idea what's going on. Uh he made the movie really smart, but in a way that most people watching would go like, Oh, that's crazy, I need to read up more about it. Right, and and you know, I think that's a it's a common theme in Nolan's movies as well, right? Nolan has always been known as the director who can draw a huge audience, but also come up with movies that are not, you know, like not necessarily superhero movies or the biggest action movies or even movies that are easy to understand, Inception included, right? Yeah. But he still straddles that line between commercial commercial success but critical success at the same time, right? right. Um, okay, so we've we've spoken about the concept of the movie. We've spoken about you know Nolan himself. Maybe we can dive a bit more into uh, the, the writing for the movie. You know, like the characters, the the plot, right? Um, and then maybe the message, which I think is really really juicy. So, dude, what do you think about the characters in the so film? This is where I start to nitpick um, this film a little yep. bit. I feel like a lot of the characters are severely underdeveloped. Uh, okay, like I said, for one, we remember very little of any of the characters' names, besides who plays them. Halfway through the movie, <laughs> I, I, I realized halfway through the movie, I had no idea what Leonardo DiCaprio's um, character's name was. Uh, I, I oh, know okay. his last name is Cobb. I have no idea what his first name is. Dom. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I think I've been reading too much trivia. So it, the names come easier to me because I've seen it three times, right? Right. And right no, so uh, a lot of their characters feel underdeveloped. Um, I... Yeah can't say for sure I understand their motivations really so um, Cobb Cobb is pretty obvious that he basically has to do this job so that he can go back and see his kids Um, Ariadne I have no idea Uh, he kind of picked her out of a class and she wants to do cool architecture shit that she can't do in reality Uh, besides that I have very little understanding of what any of the other characters motivations are which is odd because I think Nolan has spoken at length about how he wanted to ground um, a lot of the movie into the why that these characters are doing what they're doing but just, it just right. never came across to me yeah yeah I think uh, I think I agree with you on that on that note uh, in this film 
it was really it was really clear that Leonardo DiCaprio's character Dom Cobb is the central character, right? And we dive so deep into his psyche, into his past, that everybody else just kind of falls by the wayside. Like even like Ariadne, whether it's Eames or Arthur or any of the other characters, they don't really have their own side stories. It's all about one man, right? And it's all about Cobb, pretty much. Yeah, I guess you could say, you could make a case for uh, Killian Murphy's character, Fisher. Um, he did have quite an interesting backstory and it was really important to the plot as well. But other than the antagonist, I would say, other than the antagonist and the protagonist, nobody else really had such a interesting storyline on their own. So, you know, agreed, agreed. Character yeah. could have done better. Right. So in the in the midst of all this, right, um, I mean, we kind of explained the basic concept of the movie, uh, how you infiltrate dreams and how you can plant ideas in them. But underneath yep. all of that, I felt there was, um, there was a much more interesting part to the movie, which basically questions whether reality is real or not yeah yeah that, and that, i think that's the yeah. central theme of the movie right right so so i mean it started off as a yeah this sci-fi movie where you could jump into dreams and then either steal shit or or, yeah. or plant ideas there but then as the movie went on it kind of teased this idea that maybe what we're seeing maybe everything's a dream right <laughs> uh this isn't no, a foreign <laughs> this isn't a foreign concept to movies i mean a lot of movies have done this for years uh, most obvious example being the Matrix. I mean, the whole mm. simulation within a simulation. Is any of this real? Yada, 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 all that. Yep. Um, you know, as Malaysians, like, from a very young age, we were always taught that writing a good essay, at the end, you always have the main character wake up and wake it was up all and a dream. Wake up and it was dream, all a right? dream, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we did it way before Nolan, man. So, exactly. we should probably get credit as well. But oddly enough, I feel like that was actually the more interesting part of the movie so when the movie started to tease that idea I almost forgot or didn't care about what the main mission was anymore because it was really right. I, I felt it was pretty hard to follow what the main mission was so we explained the main mission about ba- basically implanting this idea in Cinema Murphy's head um, yep. but then it became over convoluted with like first they had to kidnap him and then they had to get some random numbers and then they had to break into a to a facility yep. that was guarded by projections and halfway through the movie I had to remind myself wait what exactly was the mission I completely forgot yeah, yeah. I think that's one scene in the movie where they kind of lay out the plan in detail and if you are not paying attention like even if you're at 95% attention in that scene I think you would struggle to follow it as right. a, as, um, especially when they go down to like the third and fourth levels right which gets even more and more complex. So I totally get it. Totally get it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm going full on into the list of uh, nitpicks that I have with the movie, but... Yeah, go a, on, a lot of it, A lot of it felt oddly... Like, there were a lot of exposition, but a lot of it also felt oddly convenient. Um, especially what we spoke about earlier, about how because they're on this new strong sedative, dying suddenly meant you ended up in limbo, which basically meant you actually die. Which introduced stakes into the movie but not in the most seamless way I would have liked so okay. uh, because before this um, it was fairly simple right kill yourself you wake up yeah um, suddenly with this new sedative and everything oh by the way now if you die you actually die and I was like oh, okay well that's that's unfortunate but also oddly convenient that now suddenly we are to care about the stakes of the mission. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Nolan really uh, utilized the full 
range of like filmmaking uh, devices yeah. in, in that portion, right? When, you know, the stakes are raised, suddenly everybody, like what was convenient before now becomes a super huge challenge. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I think that they did... Uh, they did allude to that problem earlier on in the movie because the the reason that they were on str- such strong sedatives was that it was not possible to go down that many levels. Right? I think right. that was men- mentioned earlier uh, in the scene in Mombasa when they met Yusuf, the chemist, and he said something like, oh yeah, it's impossible, like three levels. Yeah. Um, but with certain specialized chemicals, you could do it. And then, But these chemicals have a side effect and, you know, if, if Cobb had told everybody about the side effects maybe they would not have joined the mission so he really didn't have a choice but to get everyone in and then only when things got bad he'd tell them so yeah i get it i get it it's convenient it's but i think nolan has a way of weaving it such that it it sounds logical when you think through it and you try and rationalize it um but yeah that's that's just my thought man so what do you think about the whole um mal storyline um Cobb's wife and uh, basically she shows yeah. up because she's a perceived to be a projection from him and she kind of comes she, she like she kind of just comes to fuck up their missions <laughs> yep. from yep. what I understand so what, what what do you think about that whole uh, plot line I thought that at the beginning it was sort of a B plot line but at the end of the movie it's actually it, actually, it was actually revealed to be the A plot line right exactly. so the whole heist that they were doing um, to to perform Inception was actually just a backdrop to Cobb overcoming his guilt, right? I mean, if in a character-driven film, you always want the main character to have a weakness that will cripple him and perhaps the rest of the team. Um, and you can either choose to let him get better, but in the end revert back to his old self and doom everyone to death or whatever, or you can show him overcoming that, that flaw and... In this case, uh, it's very clear that, you know, Cobb overcame his guilt. He admitted what he had done and then he let go of his past. Uh, and, you know, things turned out for the better. So uh, I think that that plotline with Mal was essential. It was essential to the essence of Inception. The, the idea you mentioned earlier about the difference between dreams and reality, that would not have worked without the Mal storyline. And I think Marion Cotillard, man, like, that was an incredible performance as well. Like oh, I, I don't think she scary, gets enough man. plaudits. She was yeah, for sure, for sure. For some reason, I I always um I always remembered, or I seem to have remembered, a scene where she cut herself like with the like the broken glass. Uh, but every time I watched the movie, like every subsequent time I watched the movie, that scene never happened, and I'm like, hmm, I thought I remembered a scene where she cut herself with a broken <laughs> glass, but it was not the case. It so, was an insane. But yeah, that, that's just the level of intimidation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally. No, no. That's, that's, that's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good performance. Great performance. And yeah, I, I guess we can use that to segue into the, the, central, the central idea, right? The, what is dreams and what is reality? Right. So yeah, I, com- I completely agree with you. Um, the mal plot started off really confusing and I was like, why, why is she even a risk? I don't understand. The movie has not explained to me why she is a risk to the team. Ellen Page kept shouting, you need to tell the rest. You need to tell that she'll be there. Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> but, but yeah, then, yeah. then the movie um, kind of goes into the what we're about to talk about right now, which is... So, basically... Cobb and Mal, um, back then, they actually tried doing this where they went like 
many, many, many levels deep. They ended up in yeah. limbo. I don't think they explained how how many levels they and they they went through. Is is level five an immediate limbo? I don't know, but basically they ended up in limbo. Um, yeah. And spent an odd fifty years there, where yeah. they kind of lost their grasp on reality, and that's where Corp actually implanted the idea into her head that where she is is not reality, and so that she would be willing to escape with him. Yeah, I think some people get get that get that that part a bit muddled as well. Like they get confused about what Inception is, uh, and where that planting actually happened, and why it's bad, because. In the movie, it was shown to be a good thing, right? Like, like they were trapped in that limbo state for fifty years, yep. and then Cobb uses Inception to plant the idea that they're actually not in the real world, and they're in a dream, and they need to go back to reality. So that's you know, from an outsider's point of view, that's that's sort of a good thing, right? But then when they come back to reality, that's that's where the problems start, right? Because because Mal still believes she's in a dream, no matter what. And that ends up causing her, you know, her eventual suicide and the trauma for Cobb. Do you, do you think there's a version of this movie where that is the central plot of the movie and we don't, there's no fissure, there's no, there's no mission for Cobb to, you know, to, to, to help Saito so that he could go back to the States. Do you think there's a version of the movie that focuses solely on that Mel storyline and the fact that he caused his wife to maybe go insane and question mm. her reality? Do you think that then that maybe one of the considerations was just to focus solely on that. Yeah, no. Uh no, I I I would agree. Like I can't I can't see that. Uh it's something that I choose not to see. Uh, <laughs> because I think that the the way the movie is now uh pro- provides a better payoff. But you know, in the words of Nolan himself, it's the reality you choose becomes your reality, right? Right. And that is it's um, accentuated by the final scene of the movie, which I gotta say, the, the final shot of Inception, that was an insane... Like, I, rem- I, I can still remember to this day watching that final shot and the um, top spinner shaking a little bit and then the immediate cut to black. Yep. And uh, just a collective yeah. collective audience going like, what? <laughs> that that, yeah, that, was, that was an experience I mean, that I guess, people remember. Yeah, it is probably to this day one of the best endings to a movie that I have ever seen in terms at least in terms of unambiguous endings or sorry ambiguous endings it's it's up there for sure I, I guess this is a good time for me to ask you what do you think happened like are they in a dream or are they in reality <laughs> so I feel like I lean towards the fact that they are in reality I feel like um trying to justify that they were all the while in a dream takes just a bit too many hoops to jump through. I mean, you have to try and justify why why isn't Mal in in why isn't Mal around in his reality? Um, I I mean that people overanalyze things like oh he's wearing a wedding ring here or he only wears a wedding ring and he's dreaming and things like that. Uh, right. I honestly can't find myself willing enough to go through that amount of work to try and justify the fact that it's all a dream. I like to lean towards the fact that <laughs> he is in reality, but my. My favorite takeaway is yeah. like what you said earlier, where he chooses to just accept whatever it is. He sees his kids. He doesn't even bother yeah. to wait to see whether the top stops or not, because this is the life he wanted, and that's 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 good enough for him. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's that's really the final like line that I wanted to end with. But of course, we've we've reached it before as well. That Christopher Nolan himself has said right in a, in a lecture that 
the point of inception, the point of the ending is not really for us to objectively say whether it's dreams or reality, right? I mean, as you said, it's about choosing what is real and what is not. And, you know, if if you've made that choice, it's, you know, who are we to say that it's wrong or right? Because we ourselves may not know (laughs) whether we are in the dream or the reality. So I think it's a very powerful message and it really highlights the subjectiveness of cinema right you you see a scene so many people watch the same movie at the same time and yet can have such different experiences and this is the perfect film to showcase that multiplicity of movies the multiplicity of art it's a really important movie um whether or not it's uh one of the best can be argued but it is a really important movie for all the impact that it's made over the movie industry in the past 10 years which is a pretty short time, yeah. I mean, in the history of movies. It's a pretty short time, but it has a lot of impact. And I think a lot of movies that comes out in decades to come will be influenced in some way by Inception. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Nolan has really revolutionized the cinema landscape with not just his Dark Knight films, but also like his non-Dark Knight films like Inception, Memento, I go as far to say like even The Prestige and even Interstellar and Dunkirk. I mean, they all have something unique that they bring and something that you know most of the time has not been done before. Yeah, we are more or less ready to wrap up here. But before we go, I'm just going to ask you, we spoke a little bit about Tenet earlier. <laughs> what do you actually yeah. know about Tenet? Because being perfectly honest, I don't know much about Tenet. Uh, that, is, that, that was by choice that I didn't want to read too much into it kind of want to go in as blind as possible. But maybe you can, can fill me in a little bit. What, how much do you know about Tenet? Um, not much, to be honest. Like, I mean, <laughs> I've seen the trailer like two or three yeah. times maybe, but I don't really know what's going on. I think it's deliberately done that way, so we don't ruin it for ourselves in a way. Uh, all I know is that John David Washington is the main character. He appears to be the main character. He's going. He's some sort of special agent or something who... I don't know, he, he gets killed, but then he doesn't get killed. It's 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 kind of confusing. I got I got to be honest, but I think it's made that way. I, I wouldn't have it any other way in a Nolan movie. I, I like to see images. Yeah, yeah. you would trust Nolan to deliver an overcomplicated plot in a way for you to understand. Yeah, I mean, not always overcomplicated. Like, <laughs> I, I would like it to be more straightforward than not, but I want it to be emotionally engaging as well. Uh, and... You know, I think one way to make his movies emotionally engaging is to is to employ like a a different or a unique concept, right? So for for uh, Inception, it was obviously the dreams espionage, a dream within a dream, that kind of thing. For the Prestige, it was the okay. I probably shouldn't get into spoilers, so but yeah. there is something there, right? There's a, there's something into in each of Nolan's films that makes it unique, and for for a Tenet, it seems to be this thing they call inversion. I think I'm getting the word. I I I I think it's inversion, but it seems like some sort of time reversal power or time reversal right. phenomenon, and they're trying to get to the bottom of some mystery, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge on the film. Uh, I I I I worry a bit that it's it's kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel almost in a way because time is such a. Uh, a concept that has been used so often in Nolan's films, even like in the linear-like films like the Dark Knight films, you get a lot of flashbacks and they play with time in a way 
to misdirect the audience sometimes. Yeah. And I just wonder how many times Nolan can do that before it starts getting a bit old, I guess. So I'm still still very excited for Tenet. I'm just a bit wary of expectations, right? So Nolan has emphasize again and again the importance of the theater experience uh, I would encourage anyone interested in this sort of stuff to read his article in the Washington Post where he talks about the importance of um, why theaters need to stay alive and why we need to experience movies in theaters I think Nolan is a purist a hundred percent I think he's going to release it in theaters he loves the theater going experience too much he I think he's the kind of guy who isn't willing to sacrifice his art for like commercial reasons, right? Um, you he could be pressured in you know in a big way by the studio, but I think Nolan is one of those directors who is powerful enough to resist that. You know, I mean, you can see his love for cinema and filmmaking even in his movies. Like we're talking about Inception today, right? There's this there's this amazing um, comparison drawn between the characters in Inception and the members of a film crew which I think is really, really interesting as well. So, you know, how Cobb is like the director, uh, Arthur is like his producer, Ariadne, who is, is like a production designer, Eames is the actor, Yusuf is the uh, cinematographer or the visual effects editor, and, you know, the, the uh, Saito is like the studio. So even in his movies, he shows how much he loves the move, like the filmmaking process. So I don't think he's the type of guy to let coronavirus one year, two years of lockdown stop him from releasing his movie in theaters. That's that's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> uh, I I think I think that's that's where I'll leave it. So right before we we go off, uh, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on YouTube as at Maximum Hype, and I've got a new video coming out every so often. So do check them out, and I really appreciate it. All right. Um. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. Is is re- I I I'm glad I invited you on. Seeing how much you love the movie, uh, and it's just been great spending an hour talking to you about it. And I I I actually hope to see you in person soon. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. See you in the office, bro. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank thanks thanks so much, man. Thank you very much, guys, and thank you, Keith. And that's a wrap on another episode of Confirm Fresh. To the listeners out there, if you like what you're listening to, please share this with family and friends. You can find me anywhere on social media with at Come tell me what you love, what you hate, and I will talk to you next time.